Hi everyone, it is your host Zoe Blasky here and welcome to Motherkind, the show that is going to help you navigate the massive challenges of life as a modern mother with more clarity and confidence. Something a bit different this week on the podcast because I'm handing over this week's episode to the Blended podcast with my new friend Kate Ferdinand. So Blended is the podcast that Kate started when she found herself in a blended family and wanted to feel less alone in her experience. I really love the Blended podcast. It is so needed and I love the conversations and guests that Kate has on. And Kate and I were chatting at the baby show where we did a live episode for the Motherkind podcast together. We were saying, wouldn't it be a fantastic way to introduce our podcasts to each other's listeners by sharing an episode? And that is what you are going to hear today. So here is Kate speaking with grief expert, loss author and CEO of the charity, the Mariposa Trust, which you might know it as saying goodbye. The guest is Zoe Clark Coates, MBE. And in this episode, Zoe shares some great advice and tips from her book, Pregnancy After Loss, including how to prepare for scans, coping mechanisms for stress, and managing the joy and the fear of being pregnant after loss. This episode does come with a trigger warning. They do talk about baby loss. So if you think that might be more harmful than helpful for you, then please do give this one a miss. And we will be back next week with our usual episode of the Motherkind podcast, which will be out next Thursday. Hope you love it. Here it is. I'm excited to tell you about this week's sponsor, which is dog food company Pooch and Mutt. And the reason I'm so excited is because Pooch and Mutt is my husband Guy's company. So we're keeping it in the family this week. I watch firsthand how much time, passion and focus goes into making Pooch and Mutt products, which include food, treats and dental sticks. They're all vet recommended and formulated with natural supplements and functional ingredients, never any junk or nasties which support your dog's physical and mental health. I would say at its core, Pooch and Mutt is a health-led company because Guy and the team know that what you eat affects the way you feel and they are all pretty obsessed with helping your dog feel as amazing and happy as they can be. So Pooch and Mutt offers different products to cater for various health conditions and life stages of pets, such as anxiety, digestive issues, joint health, weight management, skin issues, dental health, all the way from puppy right the way through to senior. So if you want to give a food, a treat or a dental stick a try, then my very generous husband is offering 25% off for Motherkind listeners. That's 25% off online at poochandmutt.co.uk using code MOTHERKIND25. That's MOTHERKIND25 at poochandmutt.co.uk. And please note this excludes subscriptions. Welcome back to Blended. Today, Zoe Clark Coates returns to the podcast. I had a really honest conversation with Zoe about pregnancy after loss and just all my feelings surrounding it. I had to fess up to Zoe. I've kind of been avoiding her. This talk about pregnancy after loss freaked me out a little bit, but I know how it's really important to talk about these things and be open and share my feelings. I openly shared out about my loss, so I think it's only right to talk about the realities of being pregnant after loss. 
Now, I know we always say this, but there's something so refreshing about facing the fear of talking and feeling lighter afterwards. Zoe's so great anyway. She gives some really great advice for preparing for scans, managing the joy and the fear of being pregnant after loss. Because that's something, you can be a little bit worried and anxious and scared, but you can also feel that joy and that happiness. And that's something that I really got from this. It's okay to feel both. I just feel so much better having had this chat with Zoe. She's really kind and really helpful. I really do hope that you guys found it as helpful as I have. So here we go. I'm Kate Ferdinand and this is Blended. Back with the lovely Zoe Clark Coates. Zoe, thank you so much for coming back to talk to me. Thank you for inviting me. This is a pregnancy after loss episode. Mm -hmm. And although it's great, it's a bit nerve-wracking as well after you've had loss. So I thought we'll just have a chat like friends, like we are, instead of it just being too formal. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that's exactly what people want to hear when they're in the same headspace as you've been in. Yeah. So here I am. I'm pregnant. I mean, I'm so happy about it. And I remember quizzing you about what it's like to be pregnant after loss. And it was something I've so worried about and so anxious about. And surprisingly, touch wood, at this moment now, I'm feeling quite good. I feel different to how I thought I would. Mm -hmm. The first trimester, it was up in the air a lot because Rhea was away. And you're not getting the kicks or any kind of sign, are you? You know, quite a few moments I went for an emergency scan thinking something was wrong and I was in a not the best headspace. I was just praying for those 12 weeks. Yeah. Even though we've spoke about you've still got a baby before 12 weeks, but that was still kind of embedded in my brain. I just need to get through, I need to get through. And every scan is still terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying going to a scan. Like, try to put it off, try not to think about it. The minute you sit down on that bed, it's freaking scary. It and is. like you, you think, what is going to happen? But despite all of that, I'm trying, trying, the key word here, <laughs> to turn what I've been through into gratitude. And actually, it's working quite well for me at the moment. I still have my wobbles. But when I was pregnant with Cree, I was more, didn't want my body to get big. I was, well, oh my God, I'm going to be fat. Oh, I'm not doing this. And all of a sudden, I just feel this kind of gratefulness that I'm actually growing a human now and none of that matters. Yeah. And it's made me actually be able to, I never thought I'd say this, but enjoy my pregnancy more. That's amazing. And that's such a gift. I think all of us, until we go through loss, take things for granted. And I think that's what loss really does, is it puts everything into perspective. And so, like you say, the things that you thought would be an issue before now are things you embrace. And that's a true gift, I think, that comes out the other side of loss. And if you can turn it into gratitude, that is absolute key. And that's 100% how I survived pregnancy after loss, just being grateful for every day, being grateful that they're growing, being grateful that you've come out of a scan with great news. And in those little moments, you kind of retrain your brain to focus on those rather than on the negative. But then there are these moments that I've spoke to you because, again, Mm. I've meant to meet you about three times Mm. and I've had the shingles. That sent me on a bit of a wonky one. Mm -hmm. Then I had the sickness and diarrhea bug, Mm -hmm. which then the next scan was terrifying because I thought, you know, you're you're on Google and you're thinking, it says if you're really sick for longer than Mm -hmm. this, then make sure you go to the doctors and that heightened me. I feel like I've had heightened moments throughout the pregnancy, but more generally, I've found it 
easier to cope than what I thought I would have. I was very, very panicked about this time, like really worried, like, how am I going to do it? I'm going to be anxious every day. We spoke about every time you go to the toilet. Is yeah. it, I still have those moments, but I'm not sure how I've got to where I am. Yeah, because you've taken it every day. And I think the secret for you has been because you were so open about what you went through, that you were open about your loss. And so your brain got used to talking about that and being comfortable talking about it. And so that's meant you've been able to rally this support around you. Now you're pregnant again. And being able to talk about those fears for many people who never share about their loss. This is something that they're going through internally. And that's so hard then on the other side of pregnancy. So I think you've done exactly the right thing. You've been open, you're talking about it, and you're willing to talk about the fear still, and that's going to help your brain cope. Yeah, actually, I think that's it. I think there's, like, really big power in sharing. Mm. And I know I'm sitting here and I'm fortunate. Like, I'm fortunate that I'm pregnant, and... I feel really, really lucky, but I know that's not the case for everyone. And I know everyone's not going to be feeling how I feel now because yeah. we all feel differently. And, you know, I had one miscarriage and now I'm pregnant and it's going well. Touch wood, touch wood all the bloody time. But I know that's not the case for everyone. So what advice would you maybe give for someone that isn't feeling how I'm feeling and might actually be struggling and feeling really anxious all the time. Yeah, well, I think there's two scenarios. One, people get pregnant again after loss, and then you're battling the fear, the worry. And my big thing is to take it day at a time, the fact that you're not going to even be able to imagine how you're going to feel at eight weeks of pregnancy or 14 weeks of pregnancy. So you've just got to take it a day at a time. And just like you said, you thought it'd be so much harder and so much worse, but actually it's much more tolerable than you imagined. And for many people, what you fear to be the case is often not the case, which is why you've just got to go through it and face it day by day. And then you've got the other scenario where people can't get pregnant again after loss or too scared to try again. And for those people, I would just encourage them to talk about their feelings and their emotions because... Honestly, good counselling and good therapy can make a world of difference. And what you think you can't ever endure again suddenly can be something that you think, actually, I could take this chance. No one's going to guarantee a baby in your arms. But just being able to say, I feel strong enough again, that's a really important step for many. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I know I keep talking about me, but I am. So we're here. That's I'm good. pregnant. And That's I think, what we're here to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and I think people are, you know, it's good to share your story. Just so people know, I I was really freaking scared. Mm-hmm. I was really scared. I didn't know I did know that we wanted another baby, but was I willing to really go through that? Could I cope? Would I be okay? And what made you make the decision, yeah, let's try? I think we tried for like a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that feeling of the two weeks where you're waiting to see if, you know, you're going to come on your time of the month and the symptoms are so similar to falling pregnant and to the menstrual cycle. Yeah. It's so similar. So similar. A few months we've done it and then I said, I can't do this, babe. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, it's every month. I'm not, I don't feel happy. I feel like I've got a good life and I'm, and I'm happy and I've got amazing children and I'm feeling let down every month. And I feel like I, I don't like that feeling. I just don't, I just don't want to do this. Like, let's just have a break because it's too much and I'm getting myself in a state and I really feel anxious and like, why can't we fall pregnant and maybe it's not meant to be and blah, blah, blah. And then I didn't worry about it and then it happened. And I know this is like that annoying thing that everyone Mm. says, don't stress about it, which is an annoying thing to say when you are stressed about it and you are really trying. 
but that did work for us. I'd fell pregnant without trying on that time. So it was quite a shock. And then you go into the shock of, you know, you've done the test and it's, oh my God. And then it's like, oh no, like, is this going to be okay? And we actually done the test. Was it the day Rio went to the World Cup? So we went to the World Cup for a month. And I was at home on my own thinking, oh "Oh God, like what, what am I doing? I think, did I go to the first scan on my own? I think so. Wow. I know. And that's a ner- that I went so to, hard. Yeah, and it's nerve-wracking and scary and bloody everything. And what week were you at when you went for your first scan? I went early, I've got to be honest. Yeah. I couldn't wait the time. Yeah, I, I could never wait anxious. either. I think I must have found out about four and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And I went at six, but it was early. I thought I was eight. Okay. And then it was actually six. Okay. And then I was meant to be waiting till 12, <laughs> but then halfway through... I felt that something had gone wrong. I, I stopped feeling the symptoms that, that, mm-hmm. or they change, which they do change. But I always remember when I had my miscarriage that the doctor said, you know, when your symptoms change or you stop feeling certain things, that's a sign. So that was like replaying in my head. Right. It's, it's changed. Whatever the symptom was, I can't even remember. So then I went again on my own because I was freaking out and it was fine. But I still couldn't quite believe what she was saying, that it was fine. Like, I was going, are you sure? Like, please tell me, please tell me, is everything definitely okay? And she was like, it's okay. And then I think I waited. So I must have had two early. Okay. Or, or, God, to be honest, maybe even three. Right. And that makes so much difference, doesn't it? I I salute anyone that that has gone through loss and has to wait for the 12 weeks. Because 12 weeks is a really long time. You can't feel the kicks and the movements. You're just hoping, aren't you? It's just hope. Yeah, I could have never waited. I think I went for my first every time at about five weeks and then went every two weeks because there was no way I could wait. Mentally, I knew that I had the strength to cope with those 14 days in between, but that was it. And at the point of coming up to the scan, I was just desperate and I'd used up all of my mental strength and tactics to help me get through that period. And then I was like, no, now I need to know confirmation that everything's okay. And it was vital to me. But for some people, they say the stress of the scan is actually worse than just waiting. So it all depends on what you're like as a person. Yes, yeah, I'm laughing because it's that thing. Just before you're about to go in the scan, yeah. it is no, I can't, you can't quite put it. You're sweating. Do I want to know? Do I not want to know? Do I want to just pretend that everything is okay? Yeah. If it's not, I know. I, I don't, do, I, do I really want to know? Like, your it's mind hard. just plays tricks on you, doesn't it? It's really hard. I had to go back to the clinic. I had all my scans in about a year ago for a blood test. And honestly, just sitting in that same seat that I always sat in brought all those feelings back of just waiting and looking at that door and thinking my whole future is going to change when I go in that room. I'm either going to come out fine and happy or I'm going to come out and my world's going to have changed. And just being in that same space brought all those feelings and emotions back. So it lives with you forever. It really does. What kind of thing? I think that once you're aware of the trapdoor underneath your feet, which is something that only loss really, I don't know, makes you aware of the fact that your life can instantly change. Once you're aware of that trapdoor beneath your feet, you're constantly aware of it. 
And so everything in life alters, doesn't it? You don't take things for granted anymore. And so that can have negative effects where you're more worried, you're more prone to wrestling with fear and the worst case scenario in your brain. But it also can serve a greater purpose that you are never taking things for granted, that every single moment you experience, you relish and appreciate and know it's a true gift. And so I think that's how loss changed me. And I think that's how it made me the mother I am today. I can't say the fact that I don't worry and I don't fear because I do. And even knowing all the skills I have, as a counsellor therapist, I've got all of those, all that training and the mechanism and the exercises to defeat fear and to combat worry. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a mum and my head can take me to really dark, worrying places where you have a, a child with a cold. For somebody else, it might be just a cold, but your head might take you to, oh my goodness, what if it's something worse? What if it turns into something bad? Where my mind never took me to those places before loss. So I think that's how loss has really changed me and certainly changed pregnancy after loss for me. I didn't presume something was innocent. I naturally assumed maybe this is a bad sign. Like you said, even these pregnancy signs, maybe it's not, maybe this is a sign something's gone wrong. I don't think I would have thought like that before going through loss. But on the flip side, as I say, it's made me appreciate everything so much more. I had babies that never slept. So where I hear about people who go, oh yeah, my baby sleeps 12 hours a day. I never had that. My children honestly never slept. And apparently that was exactly the same as me when I was a baby and my husband, when he was a baby, he didn't sleep. So I don't know why I expected anything different. But our children just were up all night and our youngest didn't properly sleep through until she was seven. Oh my God. Hang on a minute. I've got to stop you there. Seven. Seven. I know. And I'm a person who relishes my sleep. I'm a 10 hour a night person. But you know, I didn't ever complain about it or even struggle with it. My mind just adjusted to it. And I honestly believe that is because I'd gone through so much loss before having them. And so I was just so grateful when I was walking around at night trying to get them back to sleep. I was just so grateful that they were alive and they were well and healthy. And that made my mind just look at things in a very different way. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It does. Like, it is funny. I know I've said this. It's funny how I thought I'd be so worried, and I am, Mm. but I am... So grateful, like this gratitude. You just look down at your belly, yeah. one that I would have been worried the size of it before. Or, oh, that people go, oh, that's, and that's something that bloody bugs me. Oh, your belly's, yeah. how far have you look big? Or you keep holding your, someone wrote yeah. my Instagram the other day, does she ever stop holding the bump? And I felt to write back, you know what? No, because yeah. I've got a bump and I'm so happy about it and I'm going to freaking hold it. As much as I want to. But why do people even make comments like that? Why do you even care? Like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm enjoying the process. Mm -hmm. I will be upset if my baby doesn't sleep for seven years. I've got to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) You're more of a saint than me because I need my sleep. But yeah, it does make you just relax. It so does. And makes you just 
feel so appreciative of what you've got and just so aware of how blessed you are when other people don't end up with that. And I think it is that gratitude where before maybe I would have complained about having stretch marks or anything, but I saw that it was such a blessing to get them. The fact that your bump's grown so big that you get them, that's a gift. And it's about appreciating those moments and not letting anybody take away that from you. And, you know, just touching on what you said, I think that was a big fear for me when I was pregnant after loss. People making comments like that. Oh, you're, I carried really small. And so even at seven months pregnant with our first, people didn't know I was expecting. And they would say, oh, well, what are you doing in a few months time? And I'd be like, oh, having a baby. And they'd be like, what? You're pregnant. That's how small I was. And that caused people to comment about that a lot and go, oh, you're really small, aren't you? And for somebody who's pregnant after loss, those sort of things are real worry triggers. And so I always say to people, if you know anybody who's gone through loss, don't comment. Don't comment if someone's big. Don't comment if they're small. Don't put all of those seeds of doubt and concern into their head because they just don't need it. They've got enough of their own without you planting them. We've spoke about this before, but they don't mean it horribly. No. They just don't understand mm-hmm. and just making little comments. But it isn't helpful sometimes. It isn't. Because... Even just a woman that hasn't gone through loss and your body's changing, it takes a lot of adaptation. Is that the word? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it takes a lot of getting used to it. And then just when you get used to it, it changes again and it grows it again. So even comparing yourself to someone else that might be as far along as you, you're going to look completely different. Your bodies are different. But that's something I've really come to terms with this pregnancy. It's your own journey, isn't it? It is. And it's embracing that and saying, I'm not going to put myself even in a position to hear that, which is really hard, you know, having to keep your hands on your ears and saying, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to listen. And it's it's very difficult, but it's something if you cultivate that, it's really helpful for when you're then on the next part of the journey, raising your child, because everyone's just going to continue doing that. Oh, isn't your baby walking yet? Are they not out of nappies yet? There's always comments, isn't there? And as a mum, you're always thinking, am I doing the best thing? Am I doing it right? Am I talking to them enough if their language isn't developed enough? And there's all of these comparisons all the time. So if you can cultivate this protective layer when you're pregnant, it really helps you once the baby is delivered. Yeah, that's really good advice because you're just going to get it forever. Even until they're grown up, they're teenagers. There's always comparison, isn't there? Always, always. But And I think we always naturally, well, I have previously blamed myself. Oh, am I not doing this right? Should I be doing that different? But mm. actually, the same as our bodies are individual when we're pregnant, each child's individual. So we've got to stop the comparison. It's just a killer, isn't it? Yeah, and just trust that that baby that you've got in your arms or in your stomach or whatever is the baby you're meant to have. And that means you're the right mother for that child. So whatever your decisions are in raising them in looking after them, they're their right decisions. And it's trusting that. Yeah. I'm really just conscious that there might be some people here listening that are struggling. Mm -hmm. And I know previously you've had so much advice around pregnancy after loss. Is there anything you could just give us for people that might be struggling and might not be feeling how I did or how you did and struggling with gratitude or just finding the journey hard? Yeah. Well, I'd say journal. Journaling is one of the proven ways to help with anxiety, fear and to help gratitude. And gratitude is 100% a key to navigating anything on the other side of loss. Being grateful for what you've got is one of the things that helps you through loss. I know for me, I smile about the children I've lost because I was grateful that they were here at all. And so I either can focus that they have gone 
and that's really sad, or I can be grateful that they were here, even for a short time. And that's proven to rewire your brain and to help you through loss on the other side. And the same with pregnancy after loss. The more you can cultivate gratitude, the better it is for you. And so a great way of doing that is journaling by writing down how you're feeling, writing down your fears, writing down your worries, and then focusing on what are you actually grateful for in this day. I might not be able to say I'm not frightened about tomorrow, but what am I pleased about right now in this moment? And that can really help. Mindfulness is another way that you can help navigate that fear and that worry surrounding pregnancy, really focusing on exercises, letting yourself have times of worry, and then focusing on things that aren't causing you stress. So clinically, if you focus on, I'm not going to worry, I'm not allowing my brain to go there, that absolutely is the place your brain will constantly take you. So you've got to just give it time to do that on a daily basis, if need be, or weekly. But to talk about those fears, to write down those worries and those stresses. And by doing that, your brain is not constantly fighting for attention and saying, here, you're not listening to this. I'm trying to send you um, an alert and you're totally ignoring it. And if you do that, it will constantly be firing them off. So give it time to think about them, to process them, communicate them and write them down. And that will help you move forward much more positively than avoiding it at all cost. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe, non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash motherkind. That's really useful. And actually, I'm I'm journaling, but I, yeah. I'm just doing that without realising. That is helpful. It's so helpful. Mm. I haven't done it today because I've hurt my toe, guys, <laughs> which I was just telling Zoe about. I had shingles, then I had a sickness bug, and my doctor told me, you really need to slow down. Your body is telling you to slow down, mm-hmm. and you're not listening. So it's going to keep telling you until you do. And I'm not going to go into detail because it's disgusting, but I hurt my toe, and I feel like that's my body going again. Come on slow down now but I really realised with the gratitude journal that all these things I'm not letting them whereas maybe previously I'd be really down in the dumps about it all Mm. it's just something that's happened and I'm still happy if that makes sense do you think loss helped you with that as well do you feel different on the other side of everything that you've gone through 100% and actually it's changed me for the better. I don't like saying that because you're not I wish it didn't happen. To, yeah, no, I'm not glad it happened. Of course. But it has happened. Mm-hmm. And from that, I'm trying to make it as positive as possible. And I never thought I'd be sitting here saying this in those early days. So anyone that is listening and thinks, I don't feel like I'll ever feel like this. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I would. I didn't even know how I'd be able to, like, you know, be happy and see another pregnant person or even think about being pregnant. 
But now I do think it's changed my outlook on life a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I've got a family that have been through a lot of loss anyway. So I'm really aware of that. But I haven't had that direct impact. I haven't lost someone directly related to me. I've seen all of my family go through loss, but I haven't lost someone close myself. So mm -hmm. me going through that, I think it's helped me understand my family more. It's helped me look at life differently. And I'm weirdly grateful of how I am now and how it's changed me. Mm -hmm. I always got to be careful what I say because I don't want to say I'm grateful it happened. I'm not, but yeah. I'm grateful for what's come out of it for me on the other side, if that yeah, makes sense. absolutely. If someone said, well, we can go back and you won't have encountered any loss or you can experience what you experienced, I would always say, yeah, I'll go through it because I'm grateful that they were here. And also, they've given me so many gifts. I always say that some people need to be here 100 years to make a difference and other people only need to be here for weeks. And that's what my gift of my children who didn't get to stay brought me. And so, of course, I want to be different because I want them to have transformed my life. That's the ultimate gift, isn't it? To come into this world, make a difference and then leave. And so if our children do that for us, what a beautiful thing that is. I've never thought of it like that, you know. I've never thought of it like, I've thought of I've changed, mm -hmm. but I haven't thought of it like the baby that isn't here gave you that gift. Yeah. And that makes me quite emotional thinking about that. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. And I think it's something that changes people's perspective on the other side of loss. The fact that chemically, the moment you carry a baby, you're changed forever. I think we touched about this in our last conversation, that your DNA actually physically changes. And so when you've carried a child, whether they've lived or died, you carry their DNA in you always. And so it makes sense that we're meant to be different. We're not meant to be who we were before. And I think that's the hardest thing for most people to grasp with on the other side of loss is they spend a lot of their time trying to get back to who they were. But the gift is to discover who you are now and see it as a gift, a cherished gift. And it makes you a better mum. It makes you a better wife. It makes you a better friend. I think if you truly go through loss and don't run from it, to be willing to look at it and say it really hurt like hell and I'm different, then that is the gift. And that's how you become a better person. Yeah, I love that. I really do. Didn't always think of it like that, but no. it's... And you don't want to think about it like that, I think. I think in the aftermath of going through loss, you don't want anything good to have come of it. If anybody had said to me, well, something great is going to come out of this, Zoe, just, you know, I'd have been like, go away. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me anything beautiful is going to come out of this raw agony. I don't want to know that something good is coming out of it. But once you move down the journey through the path of loss you start thinking actually I do want something beautiful to come of this for their sake for my baby's sake let alone for my sake everything can transform us and we can choose how that looks in our own life and for me I wanted it to be something beautiful I didn't want my loss my baby's lives to just be something sad and traumatic I wanted to go wow what a gift they were and what a gift they were, because you're making so much change, aren't you? I like to think so. You um, really are. Yeah, yeah, you're amazing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Tell us more. Well, yeah, the work we're doing is helping over 50,000 people a week through loss and pregnancy after loss. And, and it's about changing things, not only for this generation, but the next generation. That's my big mission, that I want anybody who's having a baby now 
and has gone through the hellish experience of loss to say, well, we've gone through awful experiences often in the treatment and the care and the things we went through. But if our children go through loss in the future, what's their experience going to be? And for me, I think that's our duty as a human. Anybody who's gone through loss is to change things now for future people. Can we prevent loss? Can we stop losses from happening? Most of the time not. But what we can do is take away a lot of the trauma of the loss. And that comes from giving better care. Amazing. Really, really great, the work you're doing. And just, I think you're great. I've ignored you on the text for, for a little while, but that doesn't mean it's I don't only think a few you're weeks, great. Kate. Yeah, I know. It's all but good. It's because you're doing such great work and yeah. I want to help and I want to talk about it, but I suppose you've got to be in the right headspace. And I think that's an important message as well yeah. for anyone that is pregnant after loss. If you don't want to be in certain places or it's too much, that's fine. And it's anyone, absolutely fine. It's about your survival and yes. anything you need to do to get through today, that is okay. And if that means switching off social media, that's okay. If that means not responding to texts, that's okay. And if people love and respect you, they're going to get that. I knew the fact that if you didn't respond to my text, there was a very good reason behind it. And I didn't take it personally. It was absolutely fine because I know you as a human. I know you're a beautiful soul and I know you wouldn't just choose to ignore somebody. And so it's having those people around you that get that. Yeah. I know you'll respond when you can and that's fine. And surround yourself with people who do get it. Yeah. Because anyone else on my WhatsApp would think she is bad at responding. But you know what? I'm just getting through. I'm, I'm trying to be the happiest I can be. And it's no, like, offence to anyone. I've just got to do me for this process. Yeah. And that makes me feel good. So I yeah. think your advice and my advice from this would just be do what makes you happy and do what helps you survive. Yeah. And really look at what you do need. I don't think often we give ourselves the opportunity to acknowledge what we need. I think we are just pushed in life to just get on with it and to keep doing what we're doing. And actually, this is something that we need to listen to our bodies and our hearts and go, what is it that makes me happy right now? What brings me peace? What brings me joy? I need to be doing that right now because there's a heightened anxiety and the fear is on max. That is exhausting. And that's one of the common things people ask me. Why am I so exhausted in this pregnancy? And it's because mentally you're doing so much more. If you've gone through a loss, you're having to cope with the fear. Anxiety causes lots of adrenaline to surge around your body. And that's exhausting. And so where previously you might be energised in pregnancy, pregnancy after loss can be completely different. Oh, my God, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Is this, and I've, I've said to my doctor, I am so much more tired. Mm. And that's normal. I'm in the second trimester. And last second trimester, I was like energised, like, right, I've got my lease of life. And I've been exhausted. Yeah. And I really can't do everything. And I was fighting with that for a little bit. Mm. Like, well, why can't I? Is, is everything okay? Well, I should be doing this. This is what I should be doing in the second trimester. And everyone says, you're fine. But actually now I've thought, I'm obviously not meant to be doing this in the second trimester and I need to rest where possible. And I think even from my Instagram, you can see me going to the gym a little bit and you must think, oh, she's really got her shit together. I haven't. When I can nap, I will. And I really just 
feel really different this time, but mm-hmm. I never knew that you'd be more tired this yeah. time around. It's the mental exertion. We never, ever take into account how much energy stress takes out of us. And that's why people who live with daily anxiety and fear, it's like being on a permanent treadmill. Their body is trying to keep up with all of this adrenaline that's pumping through their body. And actually, we need to say, I need to rest because... The whole time, even I'm sitting watching TV, I might be doing the equivalent of a workout if my mind's going constantly. And so it's giving you those moments and taking that time to say, how do I chill? What makes me completely switch off? And for some, that might be craft or cooking or exercise. For others, it's just losing themselves in a Netflix series. And that's okay, whatever you need to do. But it's about just taking those times to pause, to relax, and giving your brain that time to just switch off for a period of time. It's so essential. Yeah, that's really good advice. Really good. I think I need to take a bit more of that Mm -hmm. because you're always kind of thinking, I don't know if it's just me or like generally, I need to do this, I need to do this. Actually, this is probably one of the kindest I've been to myself in my whole life, this pregnancy, because I realise all this fretting that I've done for the last 30 years about bloody everything, Mm -hmm. I can't do that now. I need to look after this this human inside Mm -hmm. me. Obviously, I need to look after myself as well. But in thinking about the baby inside of me, it's made me be able to just change my outlook on all this worry and fretting, Mm -hmm. feeling like I have to do everything all the time for everyone. I don't. It's just me trying to be everything to everyone all the time. And it's made me just sit back, look at everything I'm doing and and just just changed everything, to be honest with you. It changes your perspective. But also that's because we don't give ourselves permission to rest. Even with what you just said because I'm growing this baby, I can do it. So you're saying it's okay for me to rest because it's not for me, it's for the baby. You know? Oh my God, see what I mean? I didn't even think of it like that, but it's true. But it's okay to do it for you as well as the baby. And that's the message all of us need to take on, the fact that it's okay to do things for ourselves. Even though society always says we should put ourselves last, that's not actually the case. And if we want to be the best mum, the best wife, the best friend, it's about also saying, what do we want? What do we need? Because that means we're the better person on the other side. This is why I love having these chats and I love having you on because you're so knowledgeable and you just make me open my eyes to things that I might not have seen, Mm -hmm. even in my own Mm behaviour. And I feel like I'm coming along well as like the years grow on, I speak to more people, but I just learn something new all the time. Life is an amazing lesson, isn't it? If we just sit and listen, but often we don't give ourselves time to do it, you know? Even with the podcast, we allow ourselves to do it if we're on a treadmill. rather than just taking that time. As long as we can multitask, it's okay. And that's something I think we all need to learn, that it's okay to slow down. Yeah, that is very true. Mm -hmm. So scans, we've spoke about this, Mm -hmm. they're nerve-wracking. How do you actually prepare? Or or what would your advice be for someone that's got a scan? We all know the feeling. Mm -hmm. How can you manage that a little bit more? Yeah, well, something that helped me was, I'd always say there's no point in worrying until just before it, because at any point, the scan could get cancelled. So I'm not going to worry about something that's not happening for sure, even if I've got an appointment. And that really helped me. That helped me get the lead up of the scan anyway. And then on the day, great tips for people are chew gum. When we chew gum before anything stressful, it actually tells the brain that 
you're safe and you're okay because our brains are wired to only eat when we're not stressed. And so when you're chewing gum, it's tricking the brain that you're actually eating and that sends all different chemicals to the brain. There's nothing to fear because I'm eating. It's all about our fight or flight and it's how we were wired from caveman times where if a bear was running towards us that we wouldn't just sit and have a meal. And so you can trick your brain into thinking things are okay. So chewing gum is a great thing to do when you're sitting in a waiting room waiting for something. Also having something in your pocket can be really helpful and can make people just feel grounded somewhat. So I used to take a stone from the beach or a shell or something in my pocket and I'd really focus on what it felt like, on the texture of it, whether it was warm, whether it was cold, anything that can distract you. And then another good tip is doing the 54321 method. And so you look for five things that you can see in the room. You try and hear four things in the room that you try and taste three things. So you're taking things to taste and smell. So it's utilizing all those senses. And anything you can do on that is all distracting the brain. And so they're my top tips for before a scan that can really help people. And then have somebody with you as well. And that wasn't possible during COVID for many people. But if you can have somebody with you that can talk with you, that can engage with you, that's a really helpful thing if you can avoid going alone. Yeah, that, that's so useful. I didn't know the chewing gum. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How we're wired as humans to react. We're just not wired to eat under stress. And so because of that, anytime you can convince your brain that you're eating, it just instantly sends different hormones and chemicals and you relax. Unbelievable. We need to get a pack of chewing gum. <laughs> pack of chewing yeah. gum. Good for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Even now, I just want to add, I'm just over halfway. Mm-hmm. I'm still worried. Like, I'm not through the journey. Mm-hmm. I'm talking as if, you know... We're all right, but it's still scary now. Yeah. So even though I'm feeling good and I'm grateful and, you know, we're in this, how do you continue to keep that up through the whole pregnancy? Even the thought of the labour, that's another thing. Like There's all these milestones, isn't there? There is. It's always a worry. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that. And it's when we try to pressurise ourselves into thinking there's nothing to worry about, that the brain starts sending off all of these signals saying, well, there is something to worry about. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? That horrible voice that you just want to silence. And the more you try and quell it, the more it gets louder and the more things it will suggest to you to worry about. And that's because worry is actually something that keeps us safe. We're not meant to be a person who doesn't experience fear and worry. It's how we act on things. If we find a lump, for instance, in our body, it's the anxiety and fear that pushes us to go and see a doctor to get it checked. And then that will make us go and get treatment. So anxiety and fear has a purpose. And so we can't get rid of it completely. All we can do is acknowledge it, realise that it's there to serve us. And if we can control it somewhat, it can stop us going mad. And that's the worry, isn't it? The fact that it gets so consuming that it robs us of all joy and makes us feel like we're honestly needing psychiatric help because we can't even get through the day without being coiled in terror. And if we can navigate that by giving our brain space to process those fears and worry, 
but at the same time saying, I'm not going to allow it to consume me. And that for some might be just talking, journaling, etc. But it's also acknowledging for some, it's more than that. They might need therapy and counselling. They may need medication at times. And so it's finding out what we need to help us navigate it. But it's not a bad thing. And if we can acknowledge it, and not make it ourselves think that we're crazy experiencing it, that is really helpful. And I know for me, that definitely helped me get through my pregnancy. I was kind to myself. I didn't berate myself for feeling these fears and worries and going, okay, I've still got so much longer to go. I was like, yeah, and you've got reason to feel that. You've got reason to feel worry. This isn't irrational. This is rational because you've gone through a loss. And as soon as my brain caught on that I was going to hear its fears and I was going to give it space to talk about that, it stopped being so loud and I was able to then embrace the joy too. That's so true. It's okay to feel this way. And it's right to feel it. If you didn't feel it after going through loss, people would go, why? Why aren't you feeling it? Why is your brain not giving you those signals that there is potential danger? Because the truth is, whether you've gone through loss or not, there is danger in it. That There's no guarantees there. And so if you have experienced loss, when your brain's trying to alert you to, you're not safe yet, you still haven't got a baby in your arms yet, it's acknowledging, yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's okay. But right now, everything is okay. And it's celebrating the fact that everything is okay rather than delaying that. And I think that's the trap a lot of people get into who are pregnant after loss. They don't allow themselves to feel the joy. They say, I'm not going to celebrate being pregnant just in case I don't bring a baby home. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm pregnant until I'm after 20 weeks, just in case. Well, actually, that doesn't change anything. It just stops people being there to support you in the good, bad times, the celebration moments. You're delaying your joy when actually the way you can give yourself the support it needs your brain needs the support tell people you're pregnant so they can support you embrace the fact that you're pregnant and so every day is filled with joy rather than just fear and the joy and the worry can coexist it can coexist we've spoke about that before you know the 12 week mark yeah the 12 week rule not acknowledging or, or doctors or certain people telling you that, you know, you, you can't really announce it and we don't as a nation do it until you're after 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. I took your advice. Well, kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of took your advice. I told people that are close to me yeah. and that made me feel better because I felt like I was going for it on my own. But then I, I didn't actually announce it until a little yeah. bit later because I was still scared yeah. in that sense. And you don't need to announce it to yeah. everybody. Where we're campaigning to break the 12-week rule, it's not tell every single person that you're pregnant. It's about tell every person who you would naturally tell if you lost That's the best way of gauging it. If you would tell your best friends that you've gone through loss, then tell them you're pregnant because then they can support you through the pregnancy too. So it's not about telling everybody and anybody. It's literally about saying, I would want you to be part of my journey, whatever it looks like, whether that is seeing my pregnancy bump grow or whether that's holding my hand while I'm crying because I've gone through a loss. Let those people in. And by doing that, you're giving yourself the best chance of experiencing the joy and happiness because you've got support, you've got people to lean on. And we're not meant to do this individually. It takes a a village to raise a child, but it also takes a village to grow a child. We need that. 
that emotional support of our peers and friends and family. And so it's letting them in. And by doing that, you're just giving yourself the best chance to experience happiness in pregnancy after loss. As always, great advice. (laughs) Seriously, isn't she just so bloody wise? You are. You make everything make sense simply. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you've navigated what we all have, it's so incredibly hard. And I think the gift we can all give is pass on the lessons we've learned in a hope that that helps somebody else. And that's all I do. Yeah, and you do it, you do it very well. Mm-hmm. Great. It's unbelievable. What was I worried about? Because <laughs> no, it's been a lovely chat. Do you know what I mean? I think it's because you're so frightened of tapping into some pain yeah. that you haven't actually dealt with, but actually you have dealt with it. And so you don't give yourself... You're, you're just fearing that you haven't and that it's going to unlock Pandora's box and all this pain's going to come out. But because you've been so open all the way through everything you've experienced, there's nothing to fear. You're right. Because the openness does help me. I always say that. Some people say, oh, like, you're great for being so open. I'm like, it help. I know it helps others, which is obviously what I want to do, mm-hmm. but it helps me. I don't feel like I have to hide or pretend to be something yeah. that I'm not. I love having these chats yeah. because I realise that new things to do to help me, to help my family, and that I can be happy. Yeah. I can be happy and I can be sad and that's okay. And it it kind of like empowers you a little bit, doesn't it? It really does. And I think the misconception is that grief and pain can't coexist with joy and gratitude and happiness and all these beautiful emotions. And actually, by experiencing the one and by allowing our brains to go there with pain and with grief, it enables you to experience more joy and more happiness. And society always tells us that they can't coexist, but it's completely wrong. And by talking and by explaining how you felt, you are actually rewiring your brain, that our brains are wired to constantly be adapted and have neuroplasticity and all of these amazing things that can happen through conversation and therapy and counselling and by being open, that we are literally giving ourselves a gift of changing those pathways, of saying the fact that, yeah, those wirings have just changed and we fear that. We fear maybe it's going to trigger things. Maybe talking about something sad is going to put me in a really dark place. But actually, it's completely the opposite. It brings us more joy by doing it. So true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I should just have like an auto. So true. Great (laughs) advice. Because everything you say that it is, it's just so bloody true. Yeah. But I think how you were worried about even opening up the conversation about loss. What if it puts me into a dark place when actually... It does the exact opposite and you're going to feel so much freer. And it, that's the lesson for everyone, I think. Yeah. Instead of running from it, just face it. And the moment you face it, you're like, oh, my goodness, what was I frightened yeah, of? That's how I feel right this second. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> that's going by going to a doctor. Sometimes that's going to a counsellor or a therapist. And I can't even tell you how many people say to me every single day, oh, if only I'd gone and spoke to somebody sooner, if only. But my brain constantly told me it'd be worse. I just thought it's going to be horrible. I'm going to open up Pandora's box and all this horrible stuff's going to come shooting out like a jack-in-the-box. And I'm like, no, it doesn't actually work like that. Once we open it up, we just allow all of the good things to flow Mm -hmm. and the pain to flow out and the good to flow in. But it's giving ourselves permission to do that and being able to turn away from those worries of, yeah, let's not go there, let's not open that door. 
Zoe, as always, thank you. Thank you for, you know, just giving your time and being so great with the advice and teaching me stuff. You've helped me to open up, I think. You've helped me to be open and honest and share my journey. And I feel like that helps me and that helps others. And I just feel like you're really great at doing that. So thank you so much. Thank you for being willing to go there, even when... You know, the fears were maybe I don't want to add any more fears into my brain and actually being brave enough to do it. And I hope that encourages other people who are nervous right now of having those conversations that you've done it and you've seen that it helps. And so I hope we can encourage other people to start talking to. I hope so too. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Blended. These conversations, they just mean so much to me and I'm so grateful for everyone that listens. I really want to build a community here. After all, we are stronger together. So if you have any questions or feedback, please do get in touch, either in the reviews section on your listening app or through the Blended Instagram account. I'd love to hear from you all. Until then, please rate, review, follow and subscribe. It helps others to find the show and means you'll never miss a beat. Have a great day and I'll chat to you next week. So that was the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. Please do check out the Blended podcast if you want to hear more. We also have a Motherkind episode with the guest Zoe. So if you just search Zoe Clark Coates Motherkind wherever you get your podcasts or pop into Google, that episode will come up and I will see you next time. 